0: Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, imagining, feeling, get us wondering, get us connected, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do a bit more because we made the connection. Our Connection Radio shows are co-produced programs that address cultural identities, celebrating the richness of multicultural voices, sharing cultural perspectives and insights. We discuss needs and opportunities for multicultural communities and allies, addressing the challenges in creating true social justice and equity, and doing it with a straight talk. Together, we're hopeful that meaningful change is possible and inclusion for all is real. Today, our show is co produced with the Diversity Institute, and I have Melissa Adams, who is the president and executive director, as my co host. The Diversity Institute believes diversity is everybody's business, and the potential of all individuals is important. Welcome, Melissa. I'm so glad you're co hosting with me today.
1: Well, thank you, Lori. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited.
0: Well, you have a holiday that you enjoy very much, but you have some mixed feelings about it. We've got 4th of July around the corner, and I know you love the 4th of July. And you're yeah. and the last time you were on our show, we were talking about Independence Day in terms of Juneteenth. Um, tell me what you feel about the 4th of July and, and help us all gain some insights about what we can be thinking about when the 4th of July runs around.
1: Well, you know, I first off, Um, I'm an African-American female born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And, you know, growing up, the 4th of July was one of the holidays that my mom loved to celebrate. She celebrated just about every holiday, but the 4th of July had some special meaning uh, for her. Our uh, grandfather was a uh, soldier. My nephew is currently a soldier. My niece is currently a soldier. So we do have this great affinity in our family for America, right? I remember even asking my mom, you know, did she prefer to be called black or did she prefer to be called African-American? And, you know, my mother actually said, well, you know, I prefer to be called American. Um, Right? And, you know, we, we had this conversation about how connected disconnected she felt from Africa as an African American Mm -hmm. and how she was more connected to America right Um, so this fast forward to today and you think about we're celebrating the 4th of July but historically uh, when the uh, Bill of Rights and you know uh, America gained its independence African Americans were slaves at that time. So there is this mixed uh, emotion that comes with that, you know, similar to the conversation, you know, that I had with my mother. Mm -hmm. We have these questions about our historical, um, well, about our history that are kind of unanswered or unresolved,
0: if that makes sense. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, when you're not considered um, part of uh, the... Equality for all. And at that time, I believe when we had our, our revolution, slaves were considered three-fifths. I mean, not a whole person, which is just uh, you know, hideous to think on. But uh, there's a sense of belonging that I hear when you, you talk about your mother feeling a belonging in America. And I think that's what we're all trying to work towards is h- how do we support that everyone feels like they belong? And there's so many challenges in looking at disparities across the, all kinds of factors. I mean, there's disparities in health. There's disparities in economics. There's disparities in job opportunities. I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on. And, you know, what, what do we need to do to create uh, a, a fair playing field so that everyone can feel like they belong What are some of your, because I know you do a lot of um, consulting for companies and helping people look at this in a new way and figuring out what to do. What are some things that you give feedback to folks when they ask you, what can we do?
1: Well, the things that we used to do (laughs) obviously are not working. Uh Um, So we need to add to that. First, we started with training. We thought training was the answer. But I think... As we've evolved in this industry, we've learned that um, we need standards in place. We need something in place to hold folks accountable. And that's across the board, right, when we talk about educational equity, health equity, wealth equity, uh, civic equity, and changing the narrative around the black experience and and what those stories look like in the media. um, That's a, a heavy lift. Right. Yeah. So all of us have to do our part, but we also have to hold one another accountable. And I think that's where many organizations have diversity uh, initiatives, missions, visions, strategic plans. The challenge is we're not holding one another accountable when it comes to diversity, equity and inclusion.
0: Is accountability measurement or, or what do you see as accountability?
1: Well, there's a few different ways that we can measure accountability, but, of course, measurement is very important. Um, We use a diversity scorecard. It's a balanced scorecard approach to looking at your organization because we believe that data and metrics are going to uh, be super important at this time. And if we look at the global landscape, many of the organizations in the U.K. are already um, putting in place diversity standards and metrics. I honestly feel that the U.S. is a bit behind when Hmm. it comes to this topic.
0: Interesting. And when you're doing the listening sessions and folks are feeling particularly anxious right now because there's so much um, overwhelming challenges that we're facing and trying to figure out one day at a time, what do we need to do next? what are some things that you think that you can offer for folks to be thinking about in terms of we're getting ready the 4th of July, how do we be sensitive to all cultures and how they might not be feeling um, a total welcoming (laughs) and a total sense of belonging and a total sense of we're all in it together.
1: What things can we, what can we do? That's a great question. Yeah. I think something also that I want to mention right now is that um, during the Fourth of July. We noticed that our soldiers who are dealing with PTSD or who have come back from war are also impacted by sure. just the fact that people are, you know, setting off fireworks. Mm-hmm. So there are many things we can do to be mindful of our neighbors who may be different from us and not just our people of color neighbors, our mm-hmm. black neighbors our, neighbors, our neighbors, our elderly neighbors, um, Even the the animals and pets that live in our um, communities as Mm -hmm. well. So I think being mindful during the 4th of July that uh, although it might be a holiday that we all love to celebrate, Mm -hmm. being sensitive to the fact that some of us um, are not celebrating the same way that other people are celebrating.
0: You know, I I have a a Nextdoor app and that's come up a couple times that people are asking, hey, Fourth of July is around the corner. Um, I've got young kids and I know sometimes in our neighborhoods, you know, it goes on all night. C- can we just like, you know, hold it off at like 11 or midnight? <laughs> just heads up, which is a great way to communicate, especially when we're not out and about as much as we used to. Um, but that might be something to think about if folks are on social media with their neighbors, just a heads up um, as a, a, a kind gesture to each other to just make awareness um, that – this would be a, a gift to the neighborhood if, if we could, you know, respect some boundaries around how long the celebration really needs to take place and loud noises and all that
1: good stuff. Right. Or even if the celebrations need to take place at all, um, as we think about our communities and um, us all trying to still come, we're still reeling with the murder of George Floyd. Yeah. And after George Floyd was murdered, we saw more people were still being uh, murdered by the police yeah. and we saw civil unrest. So the sirens and all of the, the you know, rubber bullets that were being shot at some of our protesters around the world and just some of the noise and trauma that that experience caused many of the children in our community our black, our brown, our white children have all been, you know, impacted by COVID-19 and the civil unrest. So perhaps letting go of um, any, you know, fireworks or explosions this year. And, you know, me, I'm I'm equity (laughs) and inclusion. I'm Uh woo-woo-la-la, you know, and people may say, nope, we're going to do that. But I would say leave that to the experts and try to enjoy a peaceful um, holiday where we are reflecting on the fact that we're all actually able to celebrate together,
0: and you know we can look at different quiet ways. I love that idea of quiet ways. You know, maybe it's making some cupcakes and putting a flag decoration, you know, on that cupcake with your family. You know, can right. can we scale it down? Can we tone it down? You know, what can right. as we're pulling back and. You know, there's some that are out and about, but there's still quite a lot of us that are um, not getting out much because we purposely are staying at home. Uh, and let's take that as an opportunity to be more reflective, and and talk about the meaning of the Fourth of July for each of us. What does independence mean? What does equal rights for all? What does that we're all created equal mean? Um, and how can we express that? How can we give that as a gift? to each other in a recognition.
1: Um, I also have another great idea. Um, As we think about the fact that we're all celebrating being American on the 4th of July, Mm -hmm. but to each of us, that means something different. Yep. To to my, my black brothers and sisters from Africa and Haiti and the Dominican Republic, being a Dominican American means something different from being an African American, which means something different from being an Asian American Mm -hmm. or an Italian American, and I think we could use this time to sit back and think about and and talk to our families about our culture, what it means to be an American. Um, We all have these American values that we should be upholding, especially in light of some of the things that have happened in our society lately. So take a moment to think about what does it mean to be an Italian-American or a Hmong-American or a Puerto Rican-American or, you know, wh- whatever your identity, whatever identity it is that you hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, oh, a a- with-
0: absolutely, because I think it, it. We're we're finding that we're needing to spend time with our families and having some, you know, what you've called brave conversations, you know, and so – What are those brave conversations about the challenges that we're facing in the world, but also a sharing of history and identity and cultural, you know, what do we want to pass on? What are some legacy uh, things that are important to us that we want, you know, our kids and our kids' kids to to know about what we believe in? You know, can we take a time out on the 4th of July to, to share about what independence means to us and what we have what we believe is important in the world today and the value of democracy and the value of the idea that we've come together based on an idea <laughs> this country is founded on an idea um, not any other country is necessarily founded on an idea not a race not an ethnicity but an idea um and it's an idea that does matter um and it's imperfect, but what can each of us do to work towards what, what we consider a more perfect union? It may not happen in our lifetimes, but what, what part do we want to play? Because we want to, I think, encourage all generations to know they can pay, play a part. Um, the the Declaration of Independence is as important today as it was um, over 200 years ago.
1: Exactly. Because that's the law of the land right now. Yeah, And as we look at Um, the things that we want to see change in our society, Mm -hmm. here's a great opportunity to start talking about, you know, our history as a people.
0: And, and as a people, what kind of vision can we have for the future? And with that, I'm going to need to have us go to break, but there's more to come. We're going to still be talking about Independence Day, what it means to us, um, what we want uh, for ourselves and for our others in our community. So stay with us. Uh, We'll be back after just a short break and we'll be um, doing our own uh, quiet sparkler to celebrate the 4th of July. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and my co-host today is Melissa Adams, who is the president and executive director of the Diversity Institute, and she is also, um, well, the Diversity Institute is also our sponsor today, um, and uh, we co-produce with the Diversity Institute, and today we're talking about the 4th of July, because it's the 4th of July, we want to celebrate it and talk about it. and. Last segment, we talked about the different feelings people may have about the 4th of July this year Um, and what is our own uh, sense of what what independence means. It's Independence Day. And I think it has to do with not only the past but the future. What's our vision for independence? And I wanted to have our friend Melissa share about her vision – of the Institute that's that's being um, continually developed and com- continually grown into something very special. And it has its own sense of an independent voice that is really um, a voice of many, just like our America coming together. So tell me about how you first envisioned the Diversity Institute and how you're growing it to where it is today, Melissa.
1: So actually it started as uh, just an idea concept of offering um, folks opportunities to take advantage of or take control of their own professional development training. It started back in 2015 when Cecilia Stanton and I uh, decided we wanted to give people that opportunity. So we had our first training at one of the community centers here in uh, Crystal, Minnesota, and I think probably five to ten people showed up, and we kept at it. We kept offering these professional development trainings to the community, and eventually uh, we had a event um, in September where probably 150 people showed up to our executive summit.
0: I went and, and I-, I loved it. It was amazing.
1: Wow! And it was great. It was there were so many people there. It was a lot of fun. We talked about a lot of great topics, and we decided from then on we would use the Diversity Institute as a platform to educate the community around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we started the Diversity Institute in 2015, and it officially became an entity January 2020, where we created uh, a public benefit corporation. So we are a official Public Benefit Corporation, located here in the Twin Cities. And what we've been doing now is, currently we're working with an advisory board and a community of practice to create some uh, diversity standards and to create a certification for diversity practitioners. In the wake of what's going on with George Floyd, we've noticed that many of the organizations, I think we talked a little bit about it in our last uh, segment, Many of these organizations really want to move the needle on diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. The challenge is the practitioners all need to be on the same page for one, right? We all need to be singing from the same hymn notes or the same hymn book if we're going to be going out into the community and exacting change in this way. And then secondly, we're going to need some sort of diversity standard. And, of course, we have the EEOC standards and we have standards in other pockets of the uh, business community. However, it's important for us to figure out how do we bring some standards into place that help to ensure that there are pipelines in place so that employees of color are actually moving up within the organization. And other sorts of small things that could be added to organizations like perhaps – a policy around um, hiring so that we're not discriminating or practicing unconscious bias in the hiring process. Something as simple as unconscious bias training on an annual basis could be a standard. Oh,
0: absolutely. And I think what I've seen you do so well is to help take wherever the organization is on their journey and help them figure out what's the next step. You know, you, you, all, you have your bold steps that you do so well, and it may be in training curriculum that you might need, you know, unconscious bias curriculum and how does that get worked in and how does that – not just a one and done, but how is that integrated over a long time? But I also see that you do real good um, strategic assessments, and I think it's so important for folks to, to kind of get led along in a path where they can follow step by step. You know, again, getting back to the steps, that shows here. You here is where you are in this journey. And we do have a roadmap, and there is a navigator that can help you through it. And that may mean coaching. It may mean speakers coming in periodically. But you really partner with each of the organizations, which I admire.
1: Oh Well, thank you for that. I think part of what's important is, like you said, not doing that one and done, mm-hmm. the check the box. Right, and we can see in the wake of uh, the civil unrest in our society and, and the aftermath, right, many businesses were called out perhaps for saying something or not saying something or doing something or not doing something as it pertains to race, equity, and inclusion. So organizations really need to look at diversity from a holistic perspective, and that starts with your leadership team. And having leadership buy-in, right? I just got off the phone with a uh, got off of the phone with a CEO from a organization um, in Detroit who wants to do some work with us. And you know, he says some of the other consultants have asked him, "Are you ready for this work?" And he he, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And He said, "I don't know," and I said to him. What I've found and what research shows is that organizations where the chief executive officer or the executive director or the president, whoever is the leader in the organization, if that person is reaching out to someone and saying, hey, we need you to come in and help us to do this around diversity, equity, and inclusion, that project will be 100% more successful than a project where we try to start it from the bottom up. So. I told them, I said, you are ready. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just by the fact that you're interested and you're talking about it and knowing that you don't know. I, I think that's the biggest you know, I think everyone wants to feel like, well, I, I know what to do. And when you don't, you know, and, and, and fortunately or unfortunately, we're all in the place right now where we don't know what we don't know. Um, this topsy-turvy world. But you've got really good experience
1: in being able to help guide folks. Um, yes, yeah, so we gotten it down to a science. We've been doing it for so long yeah. so we can just come in, do some planning with an initial team, maybe uh, conduct a SWOT.
0: Um I I don't know if, if your phone has gone off, but I am not hearing you. <laughs> so I know what Melissa does is does some SWOT analysis is what she was about to say. We're going to make sure that we've got Melissa online, but um, we'll just take a break now. And if you want to learn more information about the Diversity Institute, it's thediversityinstitute.org, and you can learn about the story of Staten Adams Consulting and the Diversity Institute and what programs they're offering. And we'll be sharing more about the programs they do in the coming Weeks and months, Uh, they're going to be one of our regular partners in sharing about diversity and inclusion. So stay with us. We're celebrating the 4th of July and diversity and independence and a vision for the future. And we're glad you've joined us today here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and I have a co-host today. Uh, She is from the Diversity Institute. She is the president and executive director. I want to welcome Melissa Adams, who's been sharing some insights from the Diversity Institute as well as from her own personal um, recollections about the 4th of July. What does it mean? How do we celebrate Independence Day and how we may have all mixed feelings about that, um, what's going on in our world today with both COVID-19 and social justice issues. What does independence mean to each of us? And how can we take our stand on anti-racism and create a inclusive world, especially inclusive country, where it's an us, not an us and them? Um, we are all Americans, as you mentioned, Melissa, in your in our first segment. So glad you're here today. Well, thank you,
1: thank you so much for having me. I'm excited, and you know, as we roll into our summer, right? The, yeah. The uh, actual um, holiday of Independence Day, it brings up so much. Um, of the history of our country. And, you know, I love history. I am a history buff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, living in New York, I felt really connected to America's history in a special way because, you know, that's where um, the Statue of Liberty is.
0: Well, you know, and I've been thinking about the Statue of Liberty. I pulled up
1: um, her poem because especially
0: now as we're looking at so many immigrants that make up who we are, as we were talking about it, we're a country that was based in, in an idea. And right. I, I love the idea that we can come together and have equal voices for all. And, and so I looked up um, our Statue of Liberty poem, and I was very moved by it. And it gave me, gave me chills in new ways with uh, rereading it. And I'm going to share it now. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest taught to me. I'll lift my lamp beside the golden door. I, I, I don't know about you, but <laughs> reading the Statue of Liberty and and having her poem of yearning to breathe free, it, it, it just hits me hard.
1: Right? Yeah. And it's. Almost indicative of george floyd's last uh, word, yeah i can't breathe um, it's really wow wow
0: and and our right to breathe free you know our our, hey. our inherent right I mean our country's founded not only on idea but on respect um and and we're imperfect in so many ways, but how can we take our history how can we take um you know i have I've been told that history doesn't really repeat itself, but it does rhyme <laughs> so how, how do we go back in history and not um and 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 relish the things that we did well, but go to school on the things that that were not right um go to school on how we want to become an independent nation We're known as individuals we're known as known as very independent but what does what does it mean to be you know collective Americans? What's your thoughts, Melissa?
1: Well, I like what you think. I like your line of thinking. And I do believe that that is where we really are headed. I believe that, you know, we were a part of the information age when the uh, advent of the Internet, you know, came about. Um, But now I feel like we're really moving into what we're considering a sustainability age where we are all trying to figure out how to have this holistic, sustainable community. Um, And it's very collective mindset. And some people will go as far as to say these are socialist ideologies, but I believe that it's about that um, contract, right? Right. That contract that we say, I am a... Citizen of this country, and these are the things that I will um, accept from my country, and the things that I will not accept from my country.
0: And I yearn Except. to, br- I yearn to breathe free. Yeah. I have a right to breathe free, and I'm exactly. going to fight for all to breathe free. I mean, right? That that's the collectivism that I think is so important. Getting to that next step. Um, but, right, You know, there's white fragility out there. We know there is that people get a little uncomfortable and don't know what to say or do. But I was talking to a friend and I said, you know, it seems like – White people (laughs) uh, have less hard time with the idea of anti-racism than they do with thinking that they're a racist, that they can get behind being an anti-racist. So whatever that word is that's clicking in and and making people feel more comfortable talking about race and really comfortable with being an advocate for anti-racism, I think is very powerful.
1: Yes. And, you know, uh, there is an author who has a book out right now around anti-racism it's titled how to be an anti-racist and it's very um it's causing some controversy of course Mm -hmm. however it's being talked about right how do we show up as anti-racist because this author believes that either you're an anti-racist or you're a racist so you're either fighting against racism or actively fighting against racism, or you're doing nothing. And by doing nothing, you're actually still perpetuating racism.
0: Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, that silence can be violence as well. Um, But by not having a stand that says this is wrong, are you aiding, abetting, essentially, racism to to continue to occur if you're not willing to go, no, this is not acceptable? But on the other hand, I mean I like celebrating different cultures. I mean it doesn't mean that when we become all Americans and we feel like we're all family, um, that that means that somehow your culture has to disappear and you have to turn into something else. Um, I think it's more of how do we – without appropriating a culture, how do we celebrate different cultures? Um, And I think that there's things that we can do on Independence Day that – as simple as creating some really cool different recipes for different ways to have food. You know, maybe maybe you want to have Vietnamese spring rolls in addition to your barbecue. Yes. Oh, <laughs> you know? wow. Yeah, I love Vietnamese spring rolls. <laughs> I do too. I do too. That doesn't mean that, you know, I, I love a lot about the Vietnamese culture, you know, and I, I love their tapestries and I love going to our uh, – Our farmer's market and the Hmong and the Vietnamese, you know, selling their incredible vegetables. You know, why not celebrate that? Um, Why not have some Cuban food? I mean, Cuba Cuba for so long, there was that, you know – increased tension. Well, let's have some mojo pork chops, maybe.
1: (laughs) And and be able to
0: talk about that. that, I love it. We can take that in and go, I love this, and this is part of who we are, because we are a culture that celebrates um, lots of differences, but brings people together as one big family. And families can have our time, but it's still family. It's still in us.
1: That's right. Because as we move um, into the new millennial, we're becoming a more multicultural community, which means that we can explore different types of dishes, um, television shows, uh, media where we're going out or going to concerts, you know, something that I like to do, and Cecilia loves to do it as well, is we listen to music from other cultures as well. So. Absolutely.
0: So why not take the 4th of July to, you know, listen to some different cultures too. Take it as a family time to to celebrate all the different cultures that are, are brought to us in America.
1: Hey, right? What about Bob Marley? or oh, gosh. Puente?
0: Yes. Tito Puente.
1: Right? <laughs> oh, Celia Cruz. How
0: cool would that be? It's been a day of right? just, let's have our multicultural, our global music for the day. Uh, yes. And and celebrate what makes us special. We are special because of our differences. I mean, that's an amazing thing think, to think about, but it is. Yeah, it's
1: true. America is, is, and you mentioned it in our first segment, America is one of the only countries that is so diverse. Yes.
0: You know, there's something that sometimes people, uh, when I'm dealing with them about multicultural work, get a little nervous because by, 19, by the 2050, theoretically, we are going to become a majority-minority country. And they're all nervous and go, well, I wouldn't be too nervous about all this because we're doing just fine in California and that's a majority minority state. In fact, there's about ten or fifteen states that are already there and they're doing really well. So, you know, let's let's go to school on on the majority minority and we're there at. How many people love to go to California and see the rich diversity and um, and they've got a sense of pride of not only being Californians but being Americans. Uh, yes. We'll all get there. We just uh, – that you know, we in the Midlands uh, may not have as much in our, our Midwest of diversity. We're blessed, I believe, in the Twin Cities to have great diversity. We've had a lot of immigration here and, and we may be able, be able to lead the way for our Midwest in celebrating many cultures, our differences, and but yet the same sense of we are family. Yes.
1: Well, I, I totally agree.
0: Well, with that, my friend, let's take a break and let's come back uh, in our next segment and uh, celebrate some more about Independence Day. Maybe we can each share a little bit more about what it means to us personally. So stay with us as we explore uh, multicultural 4th of July and the independent spirit that um, we all believe in and we all want to create for our, our, our American family. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and I have Melissa Adams, who is the executive director and president of the Diversity Institute, and she is my co host today. And the Diversity Institute is co producing uh, the show today, and they always do a wonderful job. You guys are great. And I'm, I so enjoy having you as my co host, Melissa.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Well, in our last few segments, we've been talking about sort of the multicultural
0: vision of Independence Day. We talked about Statue of Liberty, uh, yearning to breathe free takes on a new meaning uh, in this George Floyd era of looking at anti-racism and social justice. Thinking about immigrants and their yearning to come to America – um, what does that mean to come together? How do we create family? How do we celebrate our differences? What do we do during COVID-19 when we're not going to be getting together in masses with great big fireworks? Um, how do we look and become more reflective? And when we talked before, we were sharing a little bit about our own family experiences. And it would be great, Melissa, just if you want to close out by sharing a little bit more about personally what 4th what, uh, of July means to you and what you want to do this Fourth of July in our our more uh, introspective world that we're in, where are we're being a little bit more introverted as we um, as we're careful about COVID nineteen? What are some things yeah. that that you and Cecilia are going to plan to do?
1: Well, I think part of, part of what I like about uh, the Fourth of July is the opportunity to celebrate. Being an American on top of being an African-American. I love being an American. I'm going to actually, I have to put my flag up, my um, American flag. I need to attach it to the front of my house, which is uh, something that I'm proud to do. I have a nephew who is in the military, so I'm going to reach out to him and talk to him and honor him, spend some time in, in conversation with him because we are still social distancing distancing in my family, but just really thinking about how to uh, celebrate with some maybe hot dogs and some hamburgers. I'm going to grill this weekend, and uh, we have a daughter who's 25 who lives here in Minnesota, and she visits us, so she'll visit us on the 4th, and we will just, you know, picnic in our backyard, uh, just the four of us, and really just think about how proud I am to be American. Obviously our country is not perfect. We're going through a uh, turbulent time right now. However, I am still proud to be African American, proud to be a part of this country. And I believe that just like all of the other things, we will move beyond COVID-19 and this racial and civil unrest that we're seeing and we will actually move in a more positive direction. It's a little Pollyanna. But well, no, I I'm, don't, mit-
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, we moved around a lot. My dad um, had a lot of military contracts. He was an aerospace engineer, and so we moved every three years. But we come up in the summer to Minnesota, and so Fourth of July always was associated with Minnesota for me. So I've got this wonderful set of memories and my grandmother, um Amazing woman. I mean, she she was a suffragette. I mean, she was older when she got married and older when she had her kids. And so she was born in like 1886 and she was marching as a suffragette and very proud to fight for our right to vote. And for me, the 4th of July is a celebration also for my voice and my voice to vote and that, that our women before us um, stood up. And said we should be counted, and stood up and said we have the right to also be equal, and we have the right to vote, and we have the right to hold office. And you know, we it, it was an imperfect independence where a bunch of white guys decided <laughs> that you know we would have this republic. <laughs> um, but every step of the way, I think we have it was it was a good premise. Um, but the times change, and our recognition of what we deserve and how we ask for what we deserve and how we march for what we deserve over the generations, and being proud of that. She also, you know, her uncle fought in the Civil War and she had Abe Lincoln over the fireplace, and very proud of that, too. Um, she was a strong civil rights supporter as well as a suffragette that, you know, fought for women's rights. So, to me, I think back of learning about that as a kid, and how important parents and grandparents and family telling you what our culture our family believes in um especially if it's a positive thing <laughs> sometimes it can be hard when families' cultures may not have uh you know the positive. And so you have to unlearn and there's all that unconscious bias that that we may have to come to grips with. But for the most part, I think most people really, they really do want to get along and they really do want to create a sense of family. It's just a matter of how do we connect? How do we get to know each other? You know, How, how do we celebrate each other? How do we support yeah. each other when we want to fight for what's right? And that's I, why... And I, so- I think
1: it's in the... I'm sorry, no, no, I go, no it's no. understanding and learning, right? Right. It's about us trying to understand, and to do that, we need to learn, we need to walk a moment in someone else's shoes, and that means even experiencing that culture, either through food, or through the museums, or through books, or through conversations, or through listening to through, through Connections Radio. Uh-huh.
0: But yeah, I think it's also making an effort to become friends with people from many cultures, yeah, because when you are truly a friend, um, that's when the us comes in. When you yeah. don't, when you don't expand beyond your cultural comfort zone, you know. I was very blessed growing up too, also because my mom was active in civil rights. I mean, I grew up in a very multicultural uh, set of friends and family that I just loved, and all I can say is that it's. Jump on in. The water's great. Celebrate multicultural. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. it's, It's a world of learning and a world of hope as well. That's right. Well, my friend, I want to make sure that you have a chance to talk a little bit about September and the Diversity Institute. I know you're doing a program that we want to make sure people know about.
1: Yes. Well, we're actually working on the Executive Summit uh, for Diversity, which is happening. It's a three-day summit. It's online, and it's an opportunity for executives around the Twin Cities to come together and talk about where we go from here when it comes to COVID-19 and the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion landscape. How are we going to turn these uh, disparities around that we see in our communities, and just an opportunity to have an open dialogue, similar to the conversations we're having on Connections Radio.
0: And you can get more information by going to the Diversity Institute Institute .org. So, thank you, thank you. Let's. I'm looking forward to celebrating Fourth of July. I'm going to um, have a little, um, little. What are those little sparklers in honor of you, Melissa and the Diversity Institute? I'll think of you in um, celebrating Independence. Thank
1: you. Are, I will
0: think of you as well. All right. We'll, we'll wave our flags and be a little bit introverted, but c- celebrating what great things independence gives us.